Hey guys, it's been far too long since I've seen you all, and I am excited to announce a podcast meetup in 2024 here in San Jose, California. And I'm super excited to announce that I'll be co-hosting the meetup on February 22nd with Justin and Aaron from the Generation Y podcast. Yep, the boys from Kansas City are coming in town to meet you. Mark your calendar to come out, have a drink, take some pics, and talk true crime with us at the V-Bar at Hotel Valencia on Santana Row in San Jose. Get all the information in the show notes or on our website, truecrimepodcast.com. Follow our social media for updates and special announcements as we get closer to the date. Links to all our social media channels can also be found on our website. We can't wait to meet you. This podcast details true crime cases. It contains adult themes and may contain descriptions of violence. It is not intended for children. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you for joining me for this special bonus episode of Once Upon a Crime. Well, I lied when I said episode 307 was the year's last episode. But when I was offered the opportunity to talk to today's guest, I couldn't pass it up. So you get a bonus episode. Ashley Randall's story has been making headlines recently. In 2021, she learned a long-held secret when her father revealed that he had been a fugitive for 50 years. The man she knew as her father, Tom Randall, was actually Ted Conrad, who'd been a wanted man since 1969, something no one, including his wife and daughter, had any clue about. I'm pleased to bring you the conversation I had with Ashley about the podcast she co-produced on this story called My Fugitive Dad. I hope you enjoy it. Sony's new podcast, Smokescreen, My Fugitive Dad, tells the story of Ted Conrad, who at the age of 20 was working as a bank vault teller at Society National Bank in Cleveland, Ohio. On July 11th, 1969, Conrad went into the vault, stuffed over $200,000 in cash in a bag, the equivalent of over $1.5 million today, and walked out never to be seen again. Investigators followed leads for over 50 years, but Conrad was never caught. Fast forward to 2021, 71-year-old Thomas Randall, dying of lung cancer, revealed to his daughter Ashley that his real name was Theodore John Conrad. The fugitive bank robber had been hiding in plain sight in a Massachusetts suburb for decades. The new season of Smokescreen, titled My Fugitive Dad, tells the story with first-person accounts from those who knew Ted before he disappeared with a fortune in cash. The investigators who pursued him and his daughter Ashley who never imagined her father was not who he said he was or that he could be a wanted man. I am pleased to welcome Ashley Randall to the show. Good morning, Ashley. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. Thanks for having me. So yeah, I was excited to talk to you. It's so funny because I was being told about your podcast before I even heard of it. So in it, and then the next day, I think, um, your people reached out to me to say, do you want to interview her? I said, heck yes. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is such a fascinating story. And I was, it was already on my radar and I had already started listening to, you know, what was out at the time. Um, and it's just, I can't even imagine. So I have to, the first question I have to put out there is 
I don't think that any of us can fathom how shocking it was to learn a secret of this magnitude about a family member, especially someone so close like your father. So the first thing I have to ask you is what was your first reaction upon hearing this confession from your dad? Honestly, at first, it didn't feel real. It felt like like a weird dad joke because my dad was sort of the king of terrible dad jokes. And for about five seconds, I thought like, weird choice, Tom, to make this weird joke, but okay. And then when I realized oh, wow. he wasn't joking, shocked isn't, I wish there was a bigger word for shocked because it really is disbelief. And I remember thinking, oh my God, my life is a lifetime movie. This is bonkers. Yeah. So what convinced you that? I mean, did it take, you know, him really like, giving you details? What convinced you that what he was telling you was actually true? When I looked him up, I Googled his name that he had told me, you know, he told me his name was Ted Conrad. And when I looked it up, there was a photo that popped up and I was like, oh gosh, that's my dad. Wow. Like, wow. <laughs> that would, yeah, I think your heart would stop in that moment. Like I nearly I fell off my bed. You know, when yeah. you're, when you're on your phone at night and you're like leaned over, like scrolling. And I just kept like leaning and all of a sudden just screamed and was like, don't, don't fall off the bed. This is, yeah, crazy. So he revealed this to you and, and, and who else was it your mother as well? Yes. Um, he had told me first and then I had talked to my mom and then mom and I talked with dad and essentially told him, you know, we, we know we've, you know, read a bunch of articles about what had happened in the sixties and it does not change how we feel about you. We love you. You're the best dad and best husband, but we do need to talk about this. All right. Yeah, I'm sure you had a lot of questions. So I'm going to ask you about that in a minute. But the first thing I want, I want to talk about, you know, the podcast, because now the story is being told in the podcast titled My Fugitive Dad. And first of all, was it a difficult decision to decide to tell your dad's story or even reveal to other people about his story? And then what was your motivation for sharing it this, you know, widely with the world in a podcast? Yeah, so... In the fall of 2021, that's when the U.S. Marshals had discovered who my dad was. Um, somebody had tipped off a journalist. I, you know, I still don't know who, but this journalist had contacted the Marshals. They ended up having a press conference that they had closed the case. And honestly, that's when my mom and my world sort of blew up because my dad's name was everywhere. And we had reporters on our you know, front lawn. And I remember at that moment thinking, like, this is crazy. And there were a million articles. My mom and I weren't talking at all. And it just seemed like this same rehashed story of a kid who loved the Thomas Crown affair and therefore robbed a bank. And what right. became really sad for me was that it felt like I was losing my dad all over again. Because if you Google my dad right now, if you Google Tom Randall... Google corrects it to Theodore Conrad and everything on that Google homepage is about the bank robbery and him being a fugitive. And I really just didn't want my dad to almost be replaced by this guy that I didn't know, this Ted Conrad. So I launched this podcast really to find answers about who my dad was before he had me and why he did what he did. 
And then when I met Jonathan Hirsch, who's my amazing co-host, I got that he really wanted to dig into who my dad was, you know, beyond the crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, he had this life before, which was, you know, pretty short because he was only 20 years old. Right. And then yeah. he had this long, you know, 50 years of being this other person and being a dad and being a husband and being, you know, this, this, this citizen. And it's just, it's, it's like, I would imagine it kind of feels like it's two different people. Like you, like you said, you Google him and you see this other person that you didn't know. So uh, the question I have is how do you reconcile Tom Randall, the man you knew as dad with this Ted Conrad, the fugitive bank robber? Like, how did you make sense of that? Or did you have a, were you able to have a lot of conversations with your father about it? And did that help? Or was it later on, like you just needed time to process it? Yeah. So from the beginning, there was Ted Conrad, the bank robber. And then there was Tom Randall, my dad. And for me, they were obviously connected. But when I started this, they really were two different people to me. And through the process of making this podcast, I was able to speak to people I probably never would have. Like my dad's friends from high school, a couple ex-girlfriends who knew Ted. And in listening to their stories, the way that they described Ted is the way that my dad's friends who knew him in, you know, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, is the same way that you describe Tom Randall. Hmm. And so the way where I think about how that day he committed the crime doesn't define who my dad is, I now also think that that doesn't define who Ted Conrad was, you know, like. This day doesn't have to be, this is all you are. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of getting a sense of that. Um, so I just, I finished the, the first three episodes, which which are, you know, widely out right now. And that's what I'm kind of getting. It's like the question I guess I have in my mind so far without, you know, having listened to the whole podcast yet to the, to the, the conclusion of it is that it's something that maybe with some type of a, a compulsion or a challenge or just a thought that can I do this? And then once he did that, there's no going back. Right. So that, that is, it, it does feel kind of like at this point, like kind of a blip on the radar of something that changed him at, at you know, that event changed him temporarily, I guess, but then he had to change his life permanently after that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I think that one of the biggest misconceptions was that it was all about the Thomas Crown affair and he became obsessed and had to do the crime. But to what you're saying, it's it's like there's more to it. You know, mm-hmm. it was not done on a whim. We did find out that it was premeditated. I think at one point he had even checked to see how hard it would be to get a new social security card. And in the 60s, it's not hard. You just pop to your local registrar's office and they will give you one. Um But, you know, we found out that it really wasn't all about the money, but it was more about my dad wanting to start over and leave his first life behind. So it wasn't so much that he was really on the run for 50 years. He was really just running away. And he made this decision that, you know, sort of forces you to change your life, right? Like there is no going back. Once you have committed a federal crime, you, you can't go back. You can only go forward. 
Right, right. Yeah, I, I was wondering about that because we get a little bit early on about his life and you know there was there was some some upheaval with a divorce and and you know stepfather and things like that um but he it seemed like he did have a you know good friendships very deep relationships with people that he you know cared about and so i wonder about that you know leaving your whole family behind because i'm thinking about you as his daughter like you, you probably couldn't imagine that he could ever leave you behind or your mom like so something like that it had to be a, a different situation were you able to talk to any of his family members? Yeah, so I've been lucky. So I've I've gotten to connect with some of his siblings um, who are really wonderful people, like super welcoming to both me and my mom um, and understandably super private, right? Their lives sort of blew up in the late 60s. And while they're really supportive of me doing this project, which is great, you know, they're just staying an arm's length away from it. <laughs> and, you know, I respect their privacy. Everything, right. though, that we've heard from them and the the friends who knew him as Ted, the general consensus and really what everyone says is they're just so happy that he found a family where he was loved unconditionally and was able to be this great dad. And everyone's just so thankful that he found this life, that he built this life. Mm -hmm. That really, that really says something about, you know, the character of the man, I guess, because these are people that still, you know, knowing what he did still, you know, want the, wanted the best for him. So that, that was another question is since this has come out as have you noticed that people treat you or your mom differently because of this, even though, you know, you had nothing to do with it and it was so, so long ago in the past, but was there any kind of backlash for it um, as far as just people that maybe, you know, or anything like that? That was something that my mom was actually really worried about when the news first broke. I just remember her being really scared that friends or family members would judge my dad or judge her for, you know, not knowing or never suspecting anything was weird. Um, and, th and I told her, I said, I don't think that will happen. And thankfully, nobody that we know has ever said anything negative about my dad. I mean, there's sort of a little ongoing joke being like, you know, we always knew he was cool, but we didn't know he was this cool. And I'm like, I don't think being a fugitive is cool, but okay. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, everybody just loved him. And I know that that can sound a little bit like I have rose-colored glasses because nobody is perfect by any means. Mm -hmm. But everybody I talked to, I mean, I spoke to one of his ex-girlfriends who, you know, they dated, I think, in high school. And she told me that even though it's 50 years later, she's still so protective of him. And I thought, this is a guy you haven't even seen for 50 years that you dated in high school, you're in your 70s now. And she's like, I still think about him all the time and I'm still so protective of him. You, you have to be a pretty special person to have that impact on people. Right. Yeah. Here, here's one thing that popped into my mind. So looking back now, because, you know, you you got this, this whole other persona of your dad, you know, that kind of at the end of his life. But looking back now, was there any time that you can that maybe popped into your mind that there was he might have hinted at the fact of his former life anything like maybe you can recall in hindsight that now you said oh wait a minute that was something that was an anomaly that 
maybe I should have, if I would have known, I would, I could, I could kind of connect that, that he was saying something about his former life or let something slip. Was there any kind of moments like that, that you recall? So not necessarily where he slipped and almost gave away information, but there were times that now when I look back, I think, oh, now it makes sense that you were a fugitive because there was one time in high school where I had the opportunity to go to France through school, through the French class I was in. And it was very inexpensive because it was through the school and parents could go as chaperones. And I remember my mom being like, heck yes, I'll be a chaperone because when on earth would we ever be able to afford to go to Europe? And she said to my dad, she was like, you can be a chaperone too. We can go school trip, but also family vacation. And his, mm. his response was, eh, I don't want to go to France. And I remember thinking, who doesn't want to travel? And he said, eh, I just, I don't really have any interest in you know, traveling outside the U.S. The U.S. has so many great places to see. You girls go have fun. I'll stay home with the cat. And I just thought this is a weird decision, but okay. I guess mm -hmm. maybe you don't have this travel bug. But now I realize he couldn't go because my dad never had a birth certificate. So he couldn't mm -hmm. get a passport. Right. Yeah. But it was just yeah. so nonchalant, his response, right? He didn't get nervous. He was like, yeah, I don't feel like going. You guys have fun. See you later. Oh, wow. See, yeah, he was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Because he was playing off pretty, you know. Yeah, you would think he would kind of panic, like, oh, shit, what do I say? Like, like you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, but no. I'd be terrible with a secret. I'd be like, I don't, I don't know. Flights, I don't, planes, I don't want to get on a plane. You go. Nobody talked to me about it. Like, I'd be yeah. weird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, he had 50 years. I mean, I mean, maybe not until then, but, you know, he had many years to kind of, you know, figure that figure out what he could and what he couldn't do and how maybe he would respond if somebody said something like, hey, let's go on a, a, a European vacation. Luckily, your mom wasn't a, a person who wanted to travel all the time because that would have kind of got him a little stuck. Right. How would he how would he. He'd have a problem with his wife if he never wanted to go anywhere with her if she yeah. really wanted to. So, Although, thankfully, been... she's someone who's like, well, you don't want to go. I'm still going to go do my own thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you picked the right person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, the last question I really had here was what questions do you think have been answered? Like what are the most important questions have been answered for you about your dad? during the creation of the podcast, My Fugitive Dad? And are there any questions about him that you still have? So one of the biggest questions for me was to find out who Ted Conrad was. And was Ted Conrad the same guy I knew or was he somebody completely different? And, and as we've talked about, I think Ted Conrad wasn't a super different guy than Tom Randall. Um, different names, but still that same like dependable loving there for you guy and then the other big question that i had and i think that everybody who you know knows anything about this case has is why mm -hmm. and not to give spoilers but we really do get to the why through conversations i was able to have with my dad through talking to the people who knew ted in the late 60s really uncovering the complicated reasoning about why a kid who seemingly from the outside had a pretty great life and good friends and a girlfriend and a life 
Like what would drive him to leave all of that behind and live his life on the run? And we really dig into that and I think get some solid answers. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't wait. I'm like I said, I've been I've been listening to it and I'm still have all these questions in my mind, but I'm like, okay, I'm gonna wait because it's coming out in the in the next episodes, yeah. I know. So but the last thing I wanted to just just to I, I lied. I said I had one that last question, but I have one more. <laughs> what's the I mean, we talked about this a little bit throughout this interview here, but what's the one thing that you want to leave listeners with that you really want them to know about your dad from you? Oh. That is a big question. The, the biggest thing for me, and I think that I keep you know, reiterating, is that the reason that I am doing this, this whole podcast and you know, doing interviews, is that my dad was just such a special person. And it's been two and a half years since he passed away. And I still miss him every day. And I just can't imagine the world only knowing him as the vault teller who robbed the bank. And I want everybody to know that he was there for me. Like I feel so lucky to have had two parents who were loving and supportive and wonderful people. And I want the world to know that my dad was great and that Tom Randall wasn't a fake person, right? Like he changed his name, yes, and it was a fake social security card, but my dad, Tom Randall's a real guy and he's just terribly missed by everybody who knew him. Mm-hmm. It, uh, that's one thing as you're saying that I'm thinking with this podcast, you actually, it's kind of like you get to spend some more time with him. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. So that that's that's really special too. And and it is, it's, it's a, it's a gift. I think that you're giving your dad is to do this for him. Um, you know, I mean, something that maybe he never expected that he would have his real story told and uh, people to know who he really is. So, you know, I'm sure that that's, that's, that's a very, very special thing, you know, that if yeah. he could look down and see, he, I'm sure he's, he's very proud of what you're doing for him and, and very pleased. And um, I think he would get a huge kick out of the fact that people are, are as interested in him as they are. I think he was also very worried that if mom or I ever found out that it would change how we look at him and for him to know that it doesn't change how anybody looks at him. Yeah. You know, that's, 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 that's a huge gift. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to say thank you so much. It's been so nice talking to you. And um, I just letting everybody know about the podcast to really find out about the story, find out the way that you're telling the story. I feel really is uh, is it makes it even more fascinating than just like you said, the event that occurred in 1969. And uh, listeners can subscribe to Smokescreen, My Fugitive Dad on the Binge, as well as all major podcast platforms. If you subscribe on the binge, you get all of the episodes, which is what I should have done. <laughs> all <of> the episodes <laughs> at once. <laughs> but you can also get them um, at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere that you listen to podcasts. So once again, Ashley, I just want to thank you so much for taking your time to talk to us today and let us know more about your dad. It's uh, it's It was really nice talking to you. It was so great to talk to you too. Thank you so much for giving me a platform to share my dad's story. Yeah. And happy holidays and, and happy new year yes. and best. Of- yeah. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.
Once again, I want to thank Ashley Randall for being a guest on today's show. There's a link to Smokescreen, My Fugitive Dad, in the show notes. I wish you all a happy new year, and I'll be back on January 15th when we kick off 2024 with a new series. Make sure you're subscribed to Once Upon a Crime so you don't miss an episode. If you can't wait that long for more OUAC, join our Patreon. For as little as $2 a month, you'll get bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes looks at OUAC, ad-free episodes, and more. Right now, we have a lot of bonus content for you to hold you over during our brief holiday break. Lorena and I recorded a discussion with a new look at the Menendez brothers' murders. And we have uncut videos of the discussions I had with the podcasters on my year-end wrap-up show. If that's not enough, I also have nine nights of terrifying holiday tales for Patreon members only. Go to patreon.com slash onceuponacrime to find out more and join. Once Upon a Crime is written and produced by me, Esther Sanchez Ludlow. My administrative and production assistant is Lorena Garcia. Until next time, be good to one another.